Welcome to DLSN, a podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods. DLSN promotes the advancement of women in private equity and finance through conversations with women in the private equity and finance space. These conversations provide both insights and practical takeaways to inform your deal work and enhance the culture of your organization. If you're ready to drive the industry toward a more inclusive and diverse environment, then it's time to come to the table. Welcome back to Deal Us In, a podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods, LLP, highlighting women in private equity and finance. Today, we have with us Amanda Kim, Vice President, Avante Capital Partners. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us, and let's get started. First of all, why don't you just tell us about yourself? Sure. Happy to. Nice to meet you, Anne, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, It's really an honor and so appreciative of what you are doing to support women in this industry. We need lots of cheerleaders, and to everyone out there listening, thank you for your support as well. Tell me about yourself. Uh, my name's Amanda Kim. I'm a vice president at Avante Capital Partners. We are a 100% woman-owned private credit fund based in Los Angeles. We are actually now working remotely, though, so I have colleagues all around the country. I have been at Avante for over six years, the longest job I've held to date. Very proud to say that. I grew up in Los Angeles, went to Bowdoin College in Maine for college, studied math and government, worked at Goldman Sachs for four years in the asset management division, and then moved to Avante. There's a lot that happened in between there, so happy to share some stories in a little bit more detail, but I'll stop there to see if you have any questions. That's great. How did you find out about Avante? I think a good example of how uh, serendipity happens in this industry. I worked at Goldman on the asset management side and became really interested in their impact and ESG initiatives. I helped launch their public ESG framework and also helped them acquire Imprint Capital, which is their impact fund of funds group. At the same time, I got married to my high school boyfriend who had been dating for 10 years, and he had been in finance and then decided he wanted to start a Korean barbecue restaurant back home in L.A. So he moved back to L.A., and I was thrown into a life conundrum of what do I want to do with my life. Often I had thought I wanted to be president of the United States or a high school math teacher or a pastor. And I had not pursued any of those routes, although I like to joke that this route is a little bit of a combination of all of those things. So as I reflected on the future, it took me nine months, cold calls, modeling training, figuring out that I really wanted to be combine my government nonprofit dreams with the career path that I pursue and lean in more heavily into impact investing. So as I did that, uh, one of the firms I found was Avante, and it was actually a friend's referral to a recruiter. And Avante at the time was looking to hire a business development associate. I told them, no, 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 no. I'm a math major. I'm looking to transition more to the investment side and have more of a technical role than some of the sales that I had doing on the asset management side. So the recruiter took me on, Oxbridge. I'll give them a shout out. Thank you, Oxbridge. And Avante at first wasn't even willing to talk to me. I literally had to schedule a proactive trip to LA and email them. I remember it was 5 p.m. And I said, hey, I'm going to be in LA tomorrow. Any chance you want to interview me? I was also going home. My parents uh, still lived there. On the plane, I read the Vault Guide to Private Equity. I had already been doing some breaking into Wall Street training myself. So I had some basic grasp of LVO modeling. 
And finally, they responded to my email and I had an interview at 10 a.m. Met with the team. I think they were a little bit skeptical, but appreciated my energy. And then I met with the managing partner, or at that point, she was partner, Evelise Rodriguez-Simon. And if you've ever met Evelise, she is a fiery Latina, ball of energy, and is really good at getting you to speak your deepest secrets. And in the middle of the interview, I told her, Evelise, I love my career and I'm willing to lean in, but there's nothing more important to me than my family. The other thing that I'm so thankful about that day, it's burned into my memory, is my husband drops me off and... Before the interview, this is a typical woman's story. I said, I can't do this. The job description says three years required investment banking, finance major, LBO modeling expert. I have none of that. This is textbook women's psychology. Yeah. Said, I look at that job description. If I had fulfilled 20%, I would have walked right in there. He said, yeah. you go in there and tell them you are a summa cum laude math major. You've got a 2330 on your SAT. You're smart. You worked at Goldman Sachs. You can bring everything else to the table, business development, investor relations, and aren't they a woman-owned firm? Fundamentally, you bring a diverse perspective and can add something to their team that they don't have. The funny part, actually, at the time, it was 100% woman-owned, but the junior team didn't have any women on it. So that was another reason, to Evelise and Jerry's credit, that they had put their foot down and had been looking for an associate over a year and said that they uh, were open to hiring a woman. So he really gave me that kick in the butt where I walked in and I had that interview. And then at the end, I did present my plan of, hey, I know I'm not the typical investment candidate that you're looking for, but I'm here. I'm ready to learn. Here's my action plan of all the books and classes I'm planning to take. You will not regret hiring me. And I got my offer a week later. So the rest is history. I've been there, as I said, over six years now. And I'd like to think that they took a chance on me and it worked out. So that's how I got to Avante. Great. So I have a question. It's kind of a chicken and egg question. Which came first? Did you Were you looking to join PE or was your research into Avanti your introduction to PE? Definitely both. When I was looking to transition from Goldman, I did have a lot of career reflection about why I got into finance in the first place. I love numbers. I love know, knowing what's going on in the world. I like to be competitive. So that appeals to me overall about finance. That being said, and I love the asset management side and respect people there, but as a math major, I wanted to be more in the weeds. I wanted to have a direct impact on the investments that I was making as compared to doing more portfolio allocation theory. So that was how I started to get attracted to private equity in terms of working directly with the companies. My husband had also been on the public side of investing. He was at a hedge fund and again, didn't feel like it was the same direct connection in terms of the people element of the business. That is something I'm always surprised about that I'm a math major. I don't necessarily see myself as a people person, salesperson. As my career has developed, it's become critical to me how that is one of my geniuses, one, and two, how critical that is to the private markets is knowing how to develop relationships. So I had started to narrow in on that. As I mentioned earlier, it was more the impact investing that attracted me side of private equity. And Avante was a great fit with the desire I had for direct investing, as well as more impact and philosophy. Avante is not an explicit impact firm, but we have a lot of in our mission and mantra. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. So a woman-owned business, and are all of your colleagues women or? Yeah. We are currently 100% women-owned. 
I believe in the future we will call ourselves 100% diverse owned as some of my male colleagues get into the management company. We are true believers in diversity in every sense. One, for mission purposes in terms of creating opportunities for underserved communities, but also for investment philosophy perspective. We believe that we are fundamentally the best investors if we can bring all kinds of backgrounds, races, cultures, socioeconomic experiences to the table to make the best decisions for our investors. So we do try to have, given that we're currently woman-owned and that's a big part of our brand, we try to have at least 50% of women on the investment team, maybe a little bit more. Right now, I think we're slightly above 50%. 100% of our investment team is women, minority, or both and 80% of our overall team. Great. So what's the difference? I mean, or is there a difference? Maybe I'm maybe I'm like putting on rose-colored glasses to think that there's a difference between, you know, working for a Goldman Sachs, which is very much male-dominated, and working for Avante, which is run by women. Any differences that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, great question. I saw this on the question list. I thought, yes, I would love to share how awesome it is to work with amazing women. For me, it is fundamentally a different culture. Our leaders, Jerry, our founder, Evelise, her managing partner, lead with empathy, lead with passion and conviction, not to say that male leaders can't do the same. I think our culture is very collaborative. That for me is a key difference versus some male colleagues I found in other environments are a lot more sharp elbowed, very much, you know, what can I do? What do I bring to the table? Avante leads through transparency, through a shared culture. I am only winning if my colleagues are winning. It's not what deals have I done, what deals have I sourced. It's are we tracking to our goals? And for me, as someone who really cares about my community, my family, my teammates, to have a firm where I'm incentivized and aligned with my values is so critical to my success as a professional. And I do think a lot of that has to do with being led by women. I will give a shout out to Goldman in that the two teams that I worked on full time, I did have a women managing director on each of those teams. And I'm very thankful for the women's network at Goldman as well. So do you want to give that shout out? But giving a being part of a women led organization at Avante is fundamentally different. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. In terms of something as with, that I view as simple as maternity leave, did you see a difference in attitude about a woman taking maternity leave between working, you know, for a Goldman Sachs and working for a women-owned business? Yeah, it's a great question. And what I love about Avante is we're always looking to improve and we're very attuned to what women need in the workplace. So Evelise was hired in 2009 by Jerry when she was a vice president pregnant with twins. And she'll tell everyone and joke that no one else would hire a Puerto Rican girl pregnant with twins during a global recession. So that, I think, is unique to our culture. Evelise was leading the charge in terms of workplace flexibility and benefits. Again, it's been an evolution over time. But I would say there's no one out there better who I think is always trying to think through how can we best support women to be their best selves in the industry? Because we think that we can crush it and do an awesome job. I will note, as I'm sure you're aware, that not all women-led organizations are like Avante. I do think there are some women out there that I understand why, but feel that they have worked hard to get to where they are and have had to break the glass ceiling and go through the traditional male mold and have some bitterness where they want the women behind them to do that same thing. 
I'm very lucky that Jerry and Evelise don't have that mentality, uh, that they want to make it better and not have women go through the same things that they went through. Right, right. Excellent. So do you, uh, this is another sidebar, when Avanti's looking at deals, do you look for opportunities to work with women and minorities as well? I mean, do you think that that kind of helps with your focusing or it doesn't? 100%. So Avante, our clear goal is to make strong risk-adjusted returns for investors. And we fundamentally believe that we actually have to do better than a lot of our peers as a diverse organization to show that we deserve to be here and deserve to be here even more than some of our other counterparts, because often you're receiving a discount in the market as a diverse-led firm. So we're aware of that. And then our secondary goal is our mission to create opportunities for underserved communities. So as we think about our investment strategy, we differentiate in two ways. One is our value add, which I would argue is actually tied to us being a diverse firm, which I could talk about later if you want to. And then two is our women's network. So we have a list of about, as I'm sure McGuire Woods does, 600 plus women private equity professionals in the lower middle market that we do a lot of programming for, we have virtual happy hours and different events, um, and just keep them top of mind in terms of uh, how to support women in the industry. This is our passion, but it also is a clear business differentiation because as a result, about two thirds of our deals are sourced from women or people of color. Now it's not always directly from, it may be there's a woman advocating on our behalf at the team, but that's a stat that we hold near and dear one, I love it. I've created some of my best friends through Avante and through our job. But two, again, is a differentiator and is a reason some of our LPs invest in us. Excellent. So what do you think is required for success in deal work? Great question. I know you've talked to many important deal professionals as part of this podcast, and everyone will have different questions. We at Avante actually are running a diversity internship program called the Small Business Investing Scholars Program. So each week I've heard from senior investment professionals on this exact question. So I may steal from some of them their thoughts. Last week, Hui Kao from CDBQ spoke to us and he talked about how important this industry is in terms of building relationships, whether it's networking, friends, sharing of deals, thinking of other people, being that value-added partner and trusted you know, almost partner-servant relationship is what I think makes you truly a good deal professional. I think there are other parts of it, being a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, someone that likes the chase of buying and selling companies and closing deals. There certainly is an element of needing to understand at least the technical side of things to help bridge the numbers and everything that needs to be consummated in terms of bringing together a deal. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, for me, it's that love of business, that love of companies and relationships. One of the things that was interesting um, that you said earlier that, that I thought, also thought was interesting was talking about the reluctance of feeling like you're not a salesperson. And I think one of the things that I know lawyers have to wrap their minds around, and I would think that business women would have to wrap their minds around, is it's not sales. It truly is relationship building and providing a skill set to somebody that they don't have that can help them. And I think if you twist that and and start looking at it that way, it makes going up and meeting people and talking to people and introducing yourself so much easier than thinking I'm trying to win this deal. 
Absolutely. At Avante right now, we're reading the book called Selling Your Expertise. And the first page says, I never thought I'd be a salesperson. To your question, it really is about knowing what am I good at? What is my genius? And how can I share that with the world and my relationships in a productive way? I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I had a dream of being a pastor. I still do to a small extent. And I use that in my job and I'm sure Avante wouldn't want me to advertise this, but sometimes I joke I'm getting to make disciples in two ways, making disciples for Jesus and making disciples for Avante. And really, again, because I so believe in what we're doing, there are tons of lenders out there. There's so much capital. But when we come to a management team, when we come to a sponsor, we truly care about that team, those people, what they're doing, the impact they're having on their communities. And we work our butts off. I've seen uh, source customers for our companies, connect with others in the industry, even offer to host their kids at our house in LA. We really go above and beyond, not just because it's good business, but because we care about the people we work with. And we believe that there's a space in this industry and we're trying to make it to get out the bad reputation of private equity as the job cutters and see us as an engine of economic growth in the lower middle market and making a positive change uh, in this community. That's awesome. That is awesome. And interestingly, I also was contemplating becoming a pastor before I became a lawyer. So you're not alone. Awesome. There you go. (laughs) Common, common career trajectory. Exactly. That's all about justice. (laughs) Um, So how do you actively support diversity in the workplace? And how how do you think leaders should act? So it's a two-part. Awesome. This is This is my passion. I'm sure we could do a separate podcast about this topic. So if anyone ever wants to talk about it offline, feel free to reach out to me or reach out to anyone at Avante. For me, diversity is important fundamentally as part of my faith, as part of my life, thinking about the fear of the other. I think that's the root of a lot of problems in our society and our economy is it being uncomfortable interacting with people that are different from you. And I think it's so critical to the investment discipline, what we do, because we are out there looking for investment opportunities, looking for growth trends, looking to find what is going against the grain and it's going to grow when the rest of the world is going GDP-like along. So we need to be pushing those boundaries and getting those different perspectives. So diversity to me is not just a, I want to feel good. It's what my LPs are telling me to do. It is, if you want to have the best investment firm that you can have, you need to bring those different perspectives to the table. All the time I have people calling me and say, well, it's hard, right? We have the old boys club. We're all golfing at the men's golf course. If we bring a woman onto our team, then we can't do that anymore. (laughs) I had this conversation with someone in the last six months. So this is real life private equity stories. This still happens. I had another person call us and say, you know, I hear you on women, but maternity leave so expensive. I can't afford to have someone out of the office for three or four months. I said, do you know what the average private equity EBITDA margin is? It's 50%. You are a managing partner. I'm pretty sure that you can afford maternity leave. It's different. Honestly, my dad is a partner at a law firm and we talk all the time about women and billable hours. And I'm sure you and McGuire would have a lot of opinions on that. But we're in the deal business. This is about impact, not necessarily about hours that you work or where you work, this should absolutely be an industry where women can be successful, where you can source some deals, close a deal, find an amazing business, 
add value to relationship and then be able to go drop off your kid for their first day of preschool, which I did this week, by the way, successfully. So thank you. Yeah, it's an exciting, it's an exciting time. That's why diversity, I believe, is important not only for me and Avante, but critical for the industry to succeed. And honestly, for the industry to move into the future, I'm sure everyone here is aware, but tech firms, a lot of the big banks, they're taking up women and diverse candidates because they do have six-month maternity leave policies because they pay similar amounts, but don't have a lot of old school FaceTime policies. So if we want to continue to be an industry that's attracting the highest quality talent, we need to make sure that we're cognizant of these issues as well. That's why diversity is important to me. I'm happy to still talk about how to actively support diversity, but yeah, I think that that's that would be good. Um, let's take it from like like somebody at your level, helping peers, helping people above you, and helping the new ones. Because part of what uh, you know, part of what DLSN is about is trying to help push people over the wall. There's not a ceiling; it's a huge wall. We want to push people over, push women, people of diversity, over the wall so that they're in the backyard. Great, I love that. So thinking about how to actively encourage diversity from the top with the the founders, the partners, I would encourage everyone to be intentional. It's very easy to hire someone who's like you. Of course, they're going to be the most likable person if they're part of the same networks, golf course, tennis court that you have grown up as a part of. So you have to be intentional in saying, I'm going to hire someone that's different from me. And that's the first step. Even at Avanti, that was my example. They said they were going to hire a woman, and that's how I joined the team. Once you decide that, then it's a question of finding the candidates. I will encourage people that to find someone different, resumes are often going to look different. You may not have the exact prep school, three years of investment banking, finance major path that you're used to seeing. There certainly are many women and diverse candidates out there that have that background, but a lot of them are being taken up by the big banks. And so you have to get a little bit creative in terms of thinking about background. I'm a great example of that. I think I'm smart and crushing it in my job, but I came from the asset management side. So wasn't the typical private equity candidate. Once you get those candidates in the door, it's important to even encourage them through the recruiting process. My example is a good one where a lot of women come in and don't think they're qualified or don't necessarily know the best practices in terms of how to network around the firm in order to get a job. I have actually, and I've seen firms actively assign a mentor towards a woman as part of the recruiting process to give them the best tips of how to succeed. And if they take advantage of those tips and crush it, great. You found an amazing candidate. If they don't, then at least you gave them that opportunity. Then once you have the woman in the door, then it really is about the recruiting and the retention. Now, it is making sure that the woman has a support network. Even if you don't have other women on your team, it could be connecting them right to the women in private equity organizations that are out there. Avante certainly is happy to help with that if you send women our way. It's providing a budget for conferences and some of these initiatives. I've talked to many women who said, oh, I'd love to go to the Women's Private Equity Summit, but we don't even have a conference budget. <laughs> How could I go? It is being thoughtful about policies around maternity leave, fertility, flexibility. Again, I think those are great for the women and men on the team, but they are often important to women in particular who are thinking about having children. And then I'd say the last step is really providing 
the mentors, the career track growth. Avante has been really great about placing me in some leadership development programs where I've gotten a leadership coach that can help push me through those imposter moments. Even earlier in this week, I said, why am I doing this podcast? How did they find me? Why did they pick me? I'm not qualified to do this. <laughs> I said, never mind that I have dreams of leading Avante and think I'm doing a pretty good job currently. I don't know if I'm qualified to be on this podcast. So having those voices around women that can really encourage them and help push, push over the wall, as you said, and push through those dark moments is really important. An imposter voice? Yes, the imposter syndrome, the imposter voice. I love that. And, and listeners, we have to shut that voice down. Um, and you need to find people that will help you shut that voice down because I think it, it totally trips us up. I think it's, it's one of the biggest hurdles that women face. It's not just the exterior, external forces. It's, it's our own internal imposter voices. I love that. Other thing, Anne, I want to add on that, in addition to the imposter voice, it's the naysayer voice, the I can't do this, or life is too hard. I have a two and a half year old. He was born right before the pandemic, and I'm so grateful. I think this was one of the questions later, but I think the pandemic has transformed my career for the better in a lot of ways, because even though Avante was super supportive of flexibility, they're even more so now. So we're remote. I can be with my son. I can do my work. I can travel. It's a much more pleasant and manageable experience than it would have been pre-pandemic. That being said, this is still the deal business where people call you. Last night I was on the phone at 7 p.m. and trying to cook my son dinner and my husband and my son and the person on the phone were all a little bit grumpy with me. It happens. There are a lot of competing voices in our life and every day you have to make that question. Is this worth it? Why am I here? I could find another job that's nine to five that maybe even gets paid similarly and be more present for my family and the people around me. And, you know, even comparing to my colleagues, not all of whom have kids, I feel lesser than sometimes. I have fewer hours in the day because physically my son takes up at least two hours a day, if not more. And just want to remind all the women out there, uh, particularly the working moms, that you can do it. You can't work the same. I can't expect to work the same number of hours as my male colleague with no kids. However, you can work smartly, you can work differently and add value and bring your genius to the table such that you are a force of nature that your company is never going to want to let go and you can help lead that organization. So I just want to provide that encouragement out there because I've had a lot of, I need to quit moments. And then I remember that I love my job and love what I do and have no plans of quitting. Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks. So talking about the pandemic, how do you think the pandemic, I mean, you said that it, it helped in terms of your company recognizing that you can work remotely and so the FaceTime requirements have gone down, but how else has it impacted your life? Absolutely. Uh, again, I, it's been transformational for my career. I think the travel, the flexibility, even our culture at Avante has improved in the pandemic because we've been very intentional about spending time with each other, albeit virtually, which I think has been really great. In terms of how we conduct our business, it's also transformational in terms of how much Zoom we do versus travel. I do think there's a challenge to that, and I'm curious to see how the next couple of years unfold in terms of how the hybrid work environment unfolds. But I gave the example earlier, we started these virtual women's happy hours, and those women have become some of my best friends in the industry. And I continue to plan to do those. It's so nice to have an opportunity just to catch up with people for 20 minutes 
as opposed to having to commute an hour, go to this broad networking event where I don't know anyone and don't get any business cards even leaving. So I think that's been really great. I will acknowledge that the pandemic has been really tough for mental health relationships. My husband owns a Korean barbecue restaurant. What a terrible business to have during a pandemic when restaurants are closing. So I do think there are going to be enduring challenges from that part as well. And I know me personally, at work, I take care of my son. I've had trouble re-engaging in a typical social life post-pandemic, and I'm still working on that. So shout out to my women private equity virtual happy hour friends, because you ladies have kept me sane throughout all of this. I too am struggling with kind of coming out of the chrysalis that I formed around myself. And I'm an extrovert. So somebody like Zoom, yeah, <laughs> I don't really like that much, but I got used to them. But yeah, it's it's been a challenge to come to come out. And then of course I got COVID. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things that I'm interested in I'm established in my career and my knowledge base. I, I worry about the remote working and training young people and forming like the wingman or wing person, I should say, position that you get working face to face with somebody. I worry, are we losing that and are we negatively impacting particularly kids who went through college during the, the pandemic? So that was also ruined. You know, that's one of the things I worry about. What do you, what are you guys thinking about and doing in terms of bringing on new people? 100% agree. The biggest challenge for us in the remote work environment is training of our team. And we've had tons of conversations around it. We recently started working with Katie Pfeiffer of Recalc Academy, who does modeling training for incoming analyst associates. She used to be at Audax. And she told us, look, people that are starting remotely versus the people that are in person, in-person people are learning so much faster. It's just a fact. She said, however, I acknowledge and understand the benefits of why an organization like Avante has decided to go remote. We actually did a survey of our entire organization at Avante, bottom to top, and everyone, well, we're not say everyone, but at least the junior team unanimously agreed that we wanted to maintain the flexibility of remote working. So I would say that's the first step in terms of pulling your organization and understanding what do people want? Because I know some teams might say, we like both. We're going to be three days in person and two days remote. But I think it's coming to that consensus of what are the pros and cons and what you decide. We at Avante decided to stay remote because we had a lot of people that wanted to live in different places. And also LA is terrible for commuting and it takes up, sucks up a lot of your life. So I'm so thankful for that. So that was our first decision. But then we think about, okay, well, how can we train now that we've given this decision for remote? We have a couple things. So first, we are doing once a week in-person office hours for anyone that is in the LA area where the VPs rotate through and have that in-person opportunity. What I really like about that day is, again, about the intentionality. When I used to go into the office, sometimes I'd go, but everyone was traveling. Everyone was stuck on calls all day. Like I didn't actually get to listen in to anyone. So on my office hours day, I block my calendar. I have my one-on-one -on -one meetings with people. I'm intentional about having that time to connect. I'd say beyond that, we're doing a lot of team retreats once a quarter, strategy sessions, again, using in-person time strategically to push forward the goals of the firm, but not just in-person for the sake of doing it. And then in terms of training beyond that, we have engaged an external provider for any technical training. And we also now have mentors for everyone at the firm and are just being really intentional about weekly conversations, making sure that everyone has access to people on the team. We use Slack, we use Zoom, 
email. We have a lot of technology tools as well to make sure that we're still maintaining that quick off the cuff communication and questions that are required for deals as well. And I call my colleagues all the time. So I'm talking to them all the time. Honestly, doesn't feel that different from being in person. I feel like I'm more connected to them than I was. That being said, I will give a shout out to all the juniors of it's going to be harder if your firm is remote and you need to be aggressive about getting in front of people. When I started at Avante, I used to sit in Evelise's office all day. I would just listen to her calls. I would stalk her. She's going to the parking lot and talk to her. You know, whenever she was driving, I tried to call her. And so I would tell the juniors to try to replicate that experience. Be unapologetic about it. Bother the people on your team. Keep going until they tell you to stop asking questions. And also ask their advice. Hey, I'm here. I want to learn. I want to listen in. Can I dial in to every Zoom call on your calendar? I want to be involved as much as physically possible and learn as much as I can until you say no. So that is a challenge. And I think it's incumbent upon both the firms as well as the new analysts and associates to push on that. Yeah, great advice. Absolutely great advice. So our last question um, on the podcast is always the same. And it's what advice would you give your 22-year-old self now? It's a great question. So many pieces of advice, professionally and personally. One advice, personally, that you don't necessarily even have to include on the podcast that I've been reflecting on is the importance of boundaries and just accepting consequences for your actions. I think I grew up in life and was very book smart, but not very world smart sometimes. And so that for me has been an important part of coming an adult and a professional is just taking responsibility for everything in my life. Yes, I'm at the office, but I still need to get my laundry done. I still need to do the dishes. (laughs) And I think being a mom and a wife has made me realize how important that stuff is for the sustainability of my career. You can only work, work, work for so long. I mean, some people do it. Some people just work all the time and then pay someone to take care of their entire life. But the majority of people, I think, need to have some element of outside personal life responsibility to help make this a sustainable career. At Avante, we don't talk about work-life balance as much as sustainability. There are going to be times that you have to work 100-hour work weeks in the deal world. It just is what it is. It's never going to be a true 40-hour work week. But if you have that 100-hour work week, you could then take a vacation in a couple weeks and try to balance it out such that you have a chance to reset and remind yourself why you love this job and this industry. Two other pieces of advice I'd share. One is my grandpa always told me this. When you're thinking about a career, think about what does the world need? What am I good at? And what do I like to do? And find the intersection of that. I'm a big believer that life is short. If you've ever read The Defining Decade, it's a little bit of a scary book. But for anyone in your 20s, it's a good one. And a reminder that go for what you're excited about today. Don't think well, my mom said I should do this. I'm going to do this job for two years. Of course, there are jobs and people out there that have to work at certain things in order to help provide for their family. And I totally respect that. But most people in this industry have the luxury of picking what you want to do. So take that luxury and use it wisely. Invest in something that you're excited about that you can uniquely bring your passion to and be that positive contributing member of society. There's no need to wait until you're 30 to do that. Absolutely do that today, 22. It's not always easy along the path, right? If you decide you want to be a lawyer, well, then you're going to need to study for the LSAT and take the LSAT and go to law school. But you're 
actively making that choice and you're being a cheerful giver, right? You're giving your energy to those things because you know what goal that you're working towards. And the last piece of advice I'd say is just to be careful not to make anything ultimate in terms of particularly work. It's so easy for work to suck up every single energy. And I love my work and I think it's good and I love my team, but it's important to have those boundaries and have things outside to remind yourself that no one thing is going to make me happy or solve all my problems. And I have found that. I mean, I think I had that early in my Avanti career where I had a moment where I felt like I had given everything to this organization and they weren't giving me back what I needed. And I realized they never promised to give me (laughs) my whole life back and make me happy and all my fulfillment. They had asked me to do a good job for their team and were willing to support me in my growth at the firm. And so once I brought those expectations back a little bit and was able to find some balance outside of my job, then I was so much more of a productive and happy employee. The last piece of advice, I already said last piece, but last, last is that attitude is at least 80% of what you do. So again, would encourage people to lean into what you're passionate about and also remember that you have to have a good attitude so that people want to work with you. And if you can't have a good attitude, then find something else that you want to do. Amanda, thank you so much. Those were uh, great words of advice. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I'm leaving this feeling very energized and I hope that our listeners are as well. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of Deal Us In. If you have a recommendation for an inspiring interviewee, a question you'd like us to ask, or topic you would like to hear covered, or if you'd like to tell us about women-focused initiatives in the field, please email us at wpef at mcguirewoods.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast was recorded and is being made available by McGuire Woods for informational purposes only. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that McGuire Woods makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in the podcast. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of McGuire Woods. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state and should not be construed as an offer to make or consider any investment or course of action.